Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's good, Internet? How's it going? It's Monday, September 9th. God damn it, Patrick, can you just give me one fucking second? All right, uh, so, Kato, I'm going to paste this wow. link into the uh, podcast channel, um, and uh, I need you to click on this, and uh, okay. we're just going to have to... We're just gonna have to oh, oh, boy. Ah, uh, shit. Yep. Wait, this was today? Yep. TGS. Yeah, it's right now, baby. So I'm lo- loading oh. this up. Um, TGS. Go ahead. We're just, uh, this heads up, uh, to anyone, uh, listening to this, we'll skip ahead I'll five, put ten a, minutes, or maybe we'll put a timestamp, because yeah, there'll probably two be spoilers minutes. for Kingdom Hearts 3. Three minutes. Kingdom Hearts. Oh. TGS news. <laughs> this Kingdom Hearts 3 DLC trailer opens with an everybody 10 plus ESRB thing, and then the warnings what? are fantasy violence and alcohol, alcohol reference. Who's drunk? Can't wow. wait. Who's drunk? That's good. Honestly, it's probably Rob because he's going <laughs> to drop off of this podcast immediately. <laughs> okay, I have this on the big screen. Are you ready to hit play? Are you going to uh, watch it with yeah, me? Three, yeah, yeah. Okay. Is, is there, Rob, are you, just, are you just skipping out on this? You're not going to oh, join us? Oh, you know us? I love this podcast content. <laughs> Nothing better than bringing up a video that <laughs> listeners can't see. Actually, it's well, pretty good. People seem to like it. Don't uh, know why. We'll everyone, we'll yeah. Make sure everybody listening to this podcast, make sure yeah, you get you can, up the video. It, it, basically, watch like, with us. G- yeah, Kato, you keep in the three, two, one, zero, and people can sync it up for themselves. Yeah. So when we, with the countdown, is like just, you know, pull up the video, pull it all over to zero, 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 and then three, two, one, and zero is when you hit play, and you can react in real time with all of us. There it is. It's <laughs> okay. interactive. We've made a video game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, people release commentaries all the time. You know, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Uh, all right. You ready, Kato? Yeah. All right, three, two, one. All right, I want to see who's drunk. Are those bats? The heart you have now already existed during that time. It had already gone back into the past. I, this is I'm in just, Japanese, so nothing can change that fact. That's mm-hmm. why I'm reading it out. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the alcohol. <laughs> what? Okay. I don't understand any of this. Yeah, we're watching a Japanese trailer. So, Kato, you're going to have to translate, please, uh, based on what you remember about the lore of this. Not language-wise, I mean the language of Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> oh, there's that little cat from the, the dream sequence. The Chira 3, yeah. Who seemed like maybe a god. Wait, is this? Okay, this is different. Who? Whoops. What is this bullet time bullshit? What? Okay, do you get to actually... Mm. Aqua? Aqua's... I like Aqua's 
Japanese voice actress. She is angry. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Where's the liquor? G give it time. We got a whole another minute. <laughs> Who is... Is He's that the master? There. That's not the master of masters, is it? Vivi looks mean. Go to the world of ocean and sky? What? Wait, she flying with flip flops on? Can you do why that? Is... Wait, why was Namine? Wait, where is Namine? What the fuck? Is she still inside his heart? Okay, hold on. I did not see an alcohol reference. <laughs> <laughs> there was a fight be Do you um, Do you get to play as the fucking living will? What oh wait, fuck did, we didn't put on? on closed captions. Did you put on closed captions? I put them on at the very end. At the end. <laughs> hold on. I did not realize. <laughs> oh my that there god. Were fucking closed I, captions. I figured it was just a Japanese just, trailer. It didn't have the clothes. Alright, hold on. I'm scrolling through. I was just through. going off of uh, you know, visuals there. Um, there was a lot happening. Kyrie's heart hasn't been lost yet. Okay. She's still with us, right? Maybe, right? but this time Why? the situation Where? is a lot worse. Rob is taking off his headphones. He's fighting Zig. Rob's in left. Like a weird, <laughs> a new platform. It looks kind That's of the like only the platform. Wait, there's a building in the background of this shot where he's fighting Zigbar. Who the? That's the only thing I want with all my heart. <laughs> my heart. I'm casting you out of Terra forever. I suppose letting false light dictate the future might be pretty lousy. So that was you the have master the power of masters, to make a change. Right? Yeah. Yeah. What do you want for the world? You have to leave. Go to the world of ocean and sky. And that's where. That girl was floating really really with flip flops on. Oh uh, yeah, Nami. Like, is that what she does? That's 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 Sora's heart, right? That's what we're seeing here. I didn't know she was in there. I guess so. I thought she was somewhere oh, else. Rob, they, Rob, they, Rob is actually. Was that a, <laughs> I heard that. Heard that. I can't even see the was video. Was that the alcohol reference? Was that, Rob that pouring was the a drink? Reference. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh, Vanessa Fussell in the in the in the comments says, "Oh, they're gonna do the lingering will versus Terranort full cutscene like the Roxas versus Sora fight in Kingdom Hearts two cutscene. Yeah, it's gonna be so epic. I agree, Vanessa. Shit, are you gonna do it? I really hope you can know. play it. I really hope you can be the living will, because that'd be fucking sick. That would be that would be cool. Coming this winter. What does that mean? Have have we crushed Rob's acne's Rob, living? Are, what will? are you drinking? Probably. Rob, did you make uh, a Bloody Mary? <laughs> no, this is a uh, fifteen year old. Now, now in games in games <laughs> when someone says uh this winter, does that mean it can fall past the holiday season? Well, yes. I think Japanese games as a historically tend to use uh winter just to like as a like scheduling mechanism in a yeah. way that like western games don't. Okay. So, I still wouldn't be shocked if it actually like made it out before the end of the year. Um, ah. I mean, yes, you could look at it as like that's a way of them allowing them wiggle room yeah. and delaying it to January because Kingdom Hearts has historically gotten delayed, but yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if it made up for the end of the year. So, anyway, yeah, hey, uh, sorry, Rob, uh you want to take it back from the top? Just sending yeah. this with a bunch of uh, exclamation points. Joining me this Friday is Patrick <laughs> Klepek. Friday? Really? It's Monday! <laughs> I was misinformed. <laughs> no, that's why it's Friday. It's like, oh, I'll just have a drink a little early. This was it's a poor decision. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Danielle Riendo. Hi, I'm ready. I'm ready for Friday. 
and Kato is watching the signals. Thank God it's Friday. Damn right. <laughs> um, ready for a long weekend. I really am. Oh God. I really am. Ready. So uh, I have a how long weekend? My weekend pr- felt pretty long. Not yeah. gonna, not gonna lie. Uh, I had oh. a, so I played no games uh, this weekend because my girlfriend's dad was visiting, uh, which was very nice, and he brought a truly ridiculous pair of speakers for us to hook up. Oh, I saw and these. Oh, they're right. Is that what's right behind you? They're oh yeah. Huge. Holy oh, shit! It's almost as Rob. tall as Rob. Oh my oh, god! What I want to point. What I want to point out for for the viewers is like the webcam uh, view uh, we have of Rob's room. Um, he has a, a a TV that is mounted like most people's, like let's say like three fourths up like the the, the wall. Um, and like not the tallest ceilings in the world, but like pretty standard, like you know like apartment uh, ceilings. And the speakers line up parallel with the top of the TV. Yeah, <laughs> and they are on the ground. <laughs> Big. You tweeted yeah, out that you can you can look on Rob's Twitter for a picture of them. They're huge. How do those how do those babies sound? They sound amazing. That's Rob. The... You have an apartment. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we already got into it a little bit with okay. So there's there's other there so other things happened. Oh, okay, so. My girlfriend's dad, I love him to death. He is getting a little bit hard of hearing. Okay. But he is an audiophile, oh. and he really <laughs> wanted to help us calibrate things, pro- these things properly. Oh. So he shows up with like a, um, uh, like a small um, banker box full of CDs Good. so that we can help test these. And... So the first thing he does is drop in, um, what is it, Zarathustra from the start of 2001 Space Odyssey? Yes. Okay. Uh And he just pushes the volume like, and here's the thing, you would have thought it was to the stop. It was halfway. Um, These things are just massive. And he was like, "Let's, let's break these in. And it was incredible. Uh, like truly an impressive and and borderline awe-inspiring experience that I'm pretty sure traveled well through the wall. Uh, So basically, we we start out with that, uh, basically blow in our eardrums. Um, It it sounded adequate to him. He was like, we should should, should go a little louder, right? And I'm like, absolutely (laughs) not. Um, But so we just start running through a CD collection. Weirdly enough, uh, like one of the best reference tracks we ended up using was the theme song from Shaft. Good. Uh, right. Because Good. that has uh, like really like it, it has really good uh, like treble and bass lines that you can pick up. So it kind of lets you dial in your calibration a little bit better. But here's something else that's useful about useful to know about these speakers. Ideally. In their best configuration, they stand about three feet clear of the wall behind them. <laughs> because really? well, because oh. these speakers have what can only be described, I guess, as kind of like backblast. They use the uh, they, they use the acoustic surface behind them to sort of uh, help like cast their sound into the room. Okay, and uh, so I can only imagine my neighbors on the other side are also glad these things have arrived because I've got <laughs> jammed straight against that wall. 
Good. Uh, which does mute the bass a little bit. Um, and then it was an entire weekend of doing setup on these things. And uh, don't worry, they weigh about 150 pounds a piece. Good. Um, <laughs> and they are five feet long and incredibly uh, unbalanced and bottom heavy. So <laughs> naturally, like my neck and shoulder are just completely uh, screwed up at the at the end of this at the end of this weekend. But it was an incredible weekend of like listening to music and sort of rediscovering a lot of albums and tracks I've been listening to for years. And uh, this it, it was pretty much a religious experience nice. in a lot of ways. But I do see well, there, there's there's a flip side here. In some ways, this is gonna this may cause some issues with the neighbors. Uh, but in some <laughs> other ways, we were able to take the subwoofer offline which might actually make a difference because uh, these things have a really good low range. So the thing we, we are no longer doing is blasting low frequency sounds into the floor of our apartment. <laughs> and hopefully that sort of ends up being a bit of a wash. But these things are ridiculous, man. They don't even have like 85% of the sound comes off. Um, if you saw the pictures of them, it's not a speaker tower. It's uh, an acoustic ribbon. It's like aluminum foil that is laid over magnets and charged and it basically produces 85% of the speaker's range. The only thing behind the, uh, behind the felt screen is four woofers, but all the audio comes from two strips that look like aluminum foil. It's insanity. Wow. wow. Like I, yeah, I, I do not understand the science of, of how they work. <laughs> um, my partner started trying to explain it to me and basically like when she got to it's a lot like radar. I was basically <laughs> like lost, but intrigued. Mm -hmm. So that's, so that's what I have. And uh, don't worry. These complete, these are completely irreplaceable and can't be fixed. If anything ever, ever goes wrong with them because nobody makes this ribbon. Uh, so <laughs> I have, yeah, uh, this is this is like a really experimental design uh, by like an audio engineer named Bob Carver. Good. And he had this theory about how you could produce a speaker with an incredibly wide uh, dynamic range using this uh, Captain foil. But that moment passed. <laughs> that foil is no longer produced. I think we might have gotten the last repair that was ever done on a set of speakers like this. Wow. So if anything goes like, I'm a little terrified of these things because if anything ever goes wrong with them, uh, they can't really be repaired. So like, I'm kind of trying to enjoy them and enjoy <laughs> the time I have with them, but I am kind of curious how long that time is going to be. <laughs> Cause until they break, you have to move them again. Well, it, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, and the other, the other thing is, I'm already on notice. Apparently, if they break, um, they will not be they will not be thrown away. Instead, my partner's like, "We'll hang on to them until I can save enough money to order a run of that foil from some kind of fabrication facility." Oh, oh my god! And I was like, "That sounds oh. expensive." And she's like, "It will be a midlife crisis project." <laughs> I I love the fact that uh, I thought the person in the story who was going to be the unwieldy one was you, and it turns out it's your partner. I mean, she grew up with these things, 
Sure. So these are like like these are her dad's like speakers, mm-hmm. and so they mean a lot. A I did not realize how much they meant until they arrived this weekend, and I started to realize like, oh, it's like this like is a the most classic precious car or something. Yeah. Like- yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I thought we were getting nice speakers, and we did, but also we got a precious family heirloom with decades of history and like weight and meaning behind them. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Right. Like I just wanted a couple <laughs> nice speakers in a five, one system. And it says like, now if anything goes wrong, they can't be repaired. So take good care of them. And if we or do else. break them, we have to keep them in storage somewhere until we can put together the thousands of dollars that will take to, buy this irreplaceable like like piece of equipment i'm like great perfect that's I've that's just ha- what we need i've never had like particularly good audio setups in like anything in my life so i've always wondered if it's the kind of thing that maybe i just don't care that much or like once you cross a certain rubicon it would ruin everything else for you like there's a reason <laughs> i don't have uh a 4k tv in my house because my projectors, like my primary means of watching and playing games and 4K projectors are just unbelievably expensive, at least for like the next like like couple of years. Like they're coming down in price, but not within my price range. And so like, what am I like? Cool. I've got a 40 inch 4K TV, but I have like a hundred inch screen at 1080p. What's what's the point of living if I can't get the 4K <laughs> version out there? And like I have... Um, in that room with the 4K projector, or with our, our you know, that's in my dreams. Um, uh, we, I bought, like, knowing that I'm not going to be able to get a 4K projector. I was like, if I'm going to upgrade that room, I'm going to, like, do it all at once. It's like, get the 4K projector, like, get a proper, like, 5-1 sound system. So, like, in the meantime, I bought, like, not a high-end sound bar, but I got, like, a medium-end sound bar that supports, like, Dolby Atmos. So, like, I could get, like... I, 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 there are ways like I can upgrade like in between doing the most expensive upgrades. Um, but I don't know. Sound's never been that important to me that like I, if I had to choose between the two, I'd rather have like the higher visual fidelity than the higher audio fidelity. But again, like I don't know if that's just because I've never really experienced particularly good audio over my lifetime. Mm. Well, I think I think it's a couple things, Patrick. Um, like for me, I'm just the opposite. Like I would take the sound system over the screen any day of the week. Um, but the other thing is, I think it depends on what you're listening to a little bit. One thing these speakers really do is they expose uh, the limitations of source material really well, and they also really make clear how different things are mixed together and uh, how how they're mastered. And one of the things that is really surprising is like. If you if I'm sitting there listening to say uh, old classical mu- music recordings or like post war jazz albums, uh, they are they really show these speakers off. Uh, they they have a really what you call like sort of a really wide open sound, uh, a, a really uh, broad soundstage with a lot of detail on it, which is cool. A lot of more modern music that has production with like earbuds in mind. Mm-hmm. Mm. is a lot more compressed. Uh, even if you're listening to like a really high bitrate file, just the things that the, the things this was optimized for are not massive stereo speakers because uh, that moment has kind of passed. And right. so what 
paradoxically what these things also do is if you compare like, you know, a 1965 jazz album with sort of a modern rock album, the thing you immediately realize is the older recording just sounds a little more interesting and a little more relaxing to listen to on speakers like this. Whereas uh, definitely the newer recording just sounds a little bit uh, two dimensional, I, I guess is the way I put it, um, which isn't necessarily that, that doesn't mean it's bad, but it, but it does just mean that there's some types of music that a set of speakers like this, you're immediately like, ah, this is why I have speakers like this. And then a lot of stuff that's made today you probably speakers like this are probably overkill a little bit. Music sounds a little nicer, but I don't know if it's uh, making a huge difference. It's it's funny. It's a weird generational thing. Um, there was like a hi-fi audiophile moment, and that moment kind of passed. And my suspicion is the minute you had people no longer able to buy their own places and like be certain that they would live in <laughs> one place for like 10, 15, 20 years, I think you started having people lose interest in things like they're, you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I think to a degree, isn't it, more, like isn't, it, isn't it probably more like the, the iPod killed it? Like once people like preferred portability to audio, like, I don't know, d- density or, you know, like the, where you're speaking to of like the, the mixing, like, I think it's actually more that like convenience factor killed, uh, like that more than anything. Those else. are connected people though. Would, like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, go, go on. Cause I, I agree. I think they are connected. Yeah, that's my only point. Like, I, I'm completely, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I live in, like, what looks like a, a 14-year-old boy's bedroom in a in an apartment. You know, like, I watch things on my iPad three-quarters of the time. Like, I have a, a decent TV um, that I play games on and often will watch movies or TV on. But a lot of the time, if I feel like it, I'll just – I will want to be in bed watching something. So I'll just have my iPad. Like, I have a new iPad. It looks pretty – I'm fine with it, you know, and I can bring it to the gym. I can watch fights on it, things like that. So that portability works for me and my, you know, my like ridiculous, uh, you know, small New York apartment lifestyle. (laughs) No, I mean, I think that's I think that is part of it because the convenience thing and the iPad arrives at around the same moment you have people uh, particularly like sort of in our age bracket going off to college and never living in their own place again yeah. for like for like ages or not having a big place, not being like homeowners for a long time, if ever. Uh, I think, you know, it's the same reason. Why did people stop watching TV? Oh, they, they got into streaming. Well, no, it's a lot easier to just like retreat into your bedroom in the yep. place you share with roommates and watch your thing on a stream because like the TV's this weird like if you have one, it's often in this like weird collective space now. It's no longer your living room. And I really do think sort of this audiophile moment probably was related. Like, I agree, Patrick, like the thing that the two things, the the moment was already passing. And then the iPod and MP3s really kind of hasten its death. But I think people would still probably be more into like having things sound awesome if it were more feasible to sort of set that up and like make it worthwhile to invest in that rather than it being a huge pain. Uh, maybe I, I believe, I think you are believing in a dream that doesn't exist. I think we're, we live in a world where like you put a 4k TV in front of most people next to a regular 1080p and they wouldn't be able to tell the difference, let alone 
Like, <laughs> like, well, yeah, but like, that's because that is bullshit. That, that that difference is meaningless. Audio is a different thing. That's no, okay. No, no, I don't. <laughs> my friend, I don't think it is. I, I look, I'm glad you love it. I'm just saying, like, I think you are putting a faith in humanity um, uh, that that is that is misplaced. And I think well, we probably need to talk about games at some point. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm going to leave it to the people. If uh-huh. you think mere technological progress and the fallibility of humanity is what killed uh, high-end sound equipment, write us. But if you agree with me <laughs> that capitalism and economic okay. structures and market uh-huh. forces uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> killed that moment, uh, then write in in support of me. Thus um, I bl- <laughs> Yeah, I blame, I blame capitalism, but Patrick apparently blames you. Don't know what that's about. <laughs> anyway. Wow. Uh, well, actually, capitalism blames you is usually how that works. Related so, point. <laughs> related point. The amount of uh, people using earbuds, I believe, has actually ruined some people's hearing. So it might be it might be that capitalism has ruined your hearing so that now you can't hear all the, the broad range of sounds. So it is capitalism's fault, but that is an important waypoint on the way there. Mm. The space. Okay, last thing about these speakers. The really <laughs> wild thing is, okay. I can actually listen to music quieter than I could. That's the really weird part. Huh. Like they actually sound really good at lower volumes. You know how like sometimes you turn sound down and it's like parts of the track just start disappearing and you yeah. just stop. Like, you start losing detail, and so you're always sort of like riding the volume knob, uh, trying yeah. to trying to make like hear stuff. Here, it's really surprising how far down you can push it, and you still hear pretty much everything. You don't feel like you're losing uh, parts of the track. So who knows? Maybe these things are going to be good for preserving my hearing uh, after years of abusing it with earbuds and headphones, <laughs> but we, we can, we can hope. Uh, Danielle. <laughs> yeah. Let's circle back to uh, Blair Witch. Cause you've been playing a bit more of it and I'm not entirely sure. I like what I'm hearing. <laughs> um, so I finished it yesterday uh, and I finished it with my dog cuddling me, which is appropriate. Cause the best part of that game is the dog, I think. Uh, so I will say this. I really enjoyed most of what I played. I would call it, like, I loved 80% of it. And there was 20% bullshit, especially towards the end. Bloober Team has uh, a little bit of a problem with sort of slightly unclear stealth sections in their games where it's pretty clear what you need to do, but it's not that clear how you need to do it. And there's a lot of like instant failure and like there's good checkpointing. It's not like you're playing large sections over and over again, but it is frustrating enough that like, man, there is one point point rather that I had to like look up a walkthrough, not for what to do because I knew what to do, but it was like, how do I do it? Like, how do I go about going through this section? Because I know what my goal is, but what, what the fuck? I just keep dying. So that part sucks. I hate when horror games do that. I do it, too. Like, it's mm, it's I, annoying. It's, I mean, un, failure states in horror games are. I am surprised that more developers have not learned yeah. how to find ways to somehow f- find a middle ground between like uh, trying to create some sort of risk for the player in what they're doing, but still uh, like pushing them forward because. Like, yeah, having the moment that you're speaking like, which I haven't experienced that in Blair Witch, but just I've experienced that in a million horror games yeah. where it's like, 
wow, you know, you know what saps the tension that you've spent all this time building through your audio and visuals is, is, you know, wandering in circles for 40 minutes and then looking at your phone, trying to figure out how to get to the next thing or scrubbing through a a YouTube video of the same (laughs) section you're in, listening to some guy scream while trying to see which direction they ran in to to get out. Yep. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. It ain't scary anymore. It's just annoying at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so frustrating. Um, but I did really, really enjoy most of the game. Uh, and that was due to the thing I think I was the most scared about going into this game, which is the dog. Like, the the fact that there's combat, the fact that there's a companion character through pretty much the whole game, like, those things can go very poorly. <laughs> and I think they actually did very well uh, with it. Uh, the dog sort of creates both a, a sense of tension and helps ease some of the tension. It gives you a little bit of relief because you are wandering around the woods, horrifying things are happening, but you always have your friend. Like, this dog is the best dog. His name is Bullet. He's so sweet. He's so cute. And he's also, like, your protector. So combat is fairly light. There's only really, like, a few combat sections, which I think is a very good choice. Uh, so it kept it from being, you know, overused or frustrating or annoying. Uh, I think we talked about it before on the podcast, but it's basically shining a light at enemies and the dog kind of tells you where they are. He barks, but he kind of does like he pivots on a dime and and, like he's looking this way, but you have to kind of watch for him to immediately whip 180 degrees to the left. And that's (laughs) where the thing will show up. And like you kind of get used to it after a couple of times. It's really not like I didn't die much in combat at all. I think maybe once before I kind of got used to the dog kind of flipping directions quickly. Uh, but it, it kind of works. Like it makes you really rely on him and it makes you, you know, kind of feel a kinship with him as well as like your protector and your buddy. And of course you can pet him and it's really cute when you pet him. You like ruffle his ears and you call him a good boy. It's really nice. So that builds you this- three dog treats that you can yeah. give. You have three treats, and you have to like give them at the right time, kind of thing. Like, oh, he needs he needs to pick me up. Oh, it's like tea time, time. fire emblem. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but with the uh, perfect beef jerky, <laughs> perfect dog time. Yeah. <laughs> Good dog time. Uh, quick yeah. question. Yeah. Um, I hope this isn't like forcing you to give a spoiler or anything like that. But enemy types in this game, I am a little bit curious what that looks like a little bit because. If memory serves, and I don't remember uh, too much about Blair Witch, but the whole, like, the the enemy is more an idea, right? It was really this, uh, like, sort of uh, ethereal notion of there being something out there that was was, uh, coming for you. I'm curious here, does it ever just go straight stealth mode where it's, like, detection cones and, like, monsters in in the trees? Yes, it does at one point. Uh, and actually, that's the most frustrating part that I'm talking about. Um, I, I won't go into great detail here or anything, but you do use your camera to, like, detect them at one point, And, like, you got to look a certain way. You have to not look a certain way. You have to kind of, like, thread the needle through almost like a mm. maze kind of thing. Uh, to the game's credit, until the very, very end, you you never see too much. Um, and then even when you see things, it's it's still pretty vague. Like, it doesn't... The game, I don't think, goes too far in any direction of, like, showing you too much or, or, like, being too explicit about what's going on in certain ways, Um, which also goes for the narrative. Uh, There's some things that are still kind of a mystery. I think there are, like, three or four endings. I think I got the worst ending. (laughs) Like, looking it up, I was like, oh, no, I I did things in such a way that wasn't great. Uh, 
which is kind of cool. I don't know if I'm going to play the last section again just to see the other endings. I might just go to YouTube. Um, but I mean, canonically, the characters in the movie got the worst ending, too. So. Yeah, they sure did. <laughs> <laughs> they totally did. Uh, it is doing some cool things narratively. It, it wasn't necessarily what I expected. Uh, at the end, it's still problematic in terms of mental health uh, all the way. It's problematic the whole way through <laughs> for sure. But it's not doing the exact cool, thing that cool, I thought cool, it was going to cool. do. Yeah, right. Like it's it's like a slightly different variation on not being great about mental illness than kind of the usual, uh, which is, you know, <laughs> it's, it's its own uh, conversation. Uh, one thing I will say. Maybe we'll take it. Yeah, honestly, I, I will say very, very briefly, and I won't spoil this, uh, but I'm writing a, a very short piece about this. But they do some things with the dog that are very emotional. Like there's there's some there's some heart wrenching stuff with that dog. So if you are sensitive to that, um, I was like holding Drake really closely during uh, my real life dog Drake. I was holding him like really closely during a, a very tense moment with the in game dog, and like tearing up a little and like talking to my dog like it's okay buddy he had no fucking idea what was going on <laughs> he was just like oh i'm getting cuddles thanks mom but uh yeah it's i actually think what they did with uh with the dog was very effective and for the most part i liked a lot of what they did with the puzzles and the sort of overall design it was a, a cool blend of exploration and camera puzzles and sort of environmental puzzles and other stuff <clears throat> i just really wish they would quit with the fucking not quite clear stealth sections because that just it doesn't add anything and it doesn't feel great and it takes away from the tension it makes things less scary when you like patrick said when you have to do it 20 times it's like this isn't scary this is just stupid at this point so yeah overall 80 percent loved it which is pretty high i think so all right. Uh, well, I don't want to take away from the tension here, but I do think we need to take a quick break uh, and pay some bills. So we'll be back with the commercial. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, so, Kata. Hi. There's a chill in the air. <laughs> it's cold. Aut it's cold Autumn here. is coming. Autumn's here in yeah. New York. It is. It's, it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. It's good. I enjoy it. But it also, Halloween has always been such a, like, signpost for, like, okay, now it's fucking cold. And it already happened. Why? Are you saying you don't have a you haven't seen a spirit Halloween yet because they are already up around me. They're all in. <laughs> no, yeah, no. In. The the like stores and shit already there. I'm saying like when it gets cold is like the day like October fucking 31st has always <laughs> been at least in my experience the day it got cold. What's like, cold? Wait, hold on. What's hold cold? on. Hold cold on. Cold is like How high long have you lived in New York? The 5 years? And then I spent okay, seven years before that up? in Baltimore. 
It's okay, not that Baltimore far south. climatically pretty different from yeah. New York, right? Yeah, but still, so it feels yeah, early this year. It in feels Massachusetts, early. it snows before Halloween, like ten sure. percent of oh, the years. Yeah, Patrick, do you remember? Do you remember some snowy Halloweens around Chicago? Because I do. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember it ever getting snowy, but I do remember it being cold, rainy, like maybe sleety at worst. I don't remember an actual like straight up. Oh, Snowy dude! Yeah, Halloween. the year I was, uh, the year I was deaf, um, <laughs> what? was the year that For we Halloween. had heavy snow oh, okay. on Halloween, and so let me tell you, like a long, like pitch black robe that you're too small to wear <laughs> becomes just a fucking nightmare when you are slogging through like oh. three inches of slushy snow. Oh. Um, but but a lot of kids punked out on like doing their full loop on mm. Halloween that night that year. Cause it was terrible and it was yeah. like windy and like sleety and snowy. Uh, but there's like, there's snow on the ground. So my dad was like, I want to go back. And I was like, no, look how empty <laughs> these streets are. Let's like, clean up. Did you bring a second bag? Clean up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we said, cause by the end people are just like, I got to offload this candy. So like right. the grim reaper shows up on your doorstep and people were just like bribing me to, to pass by, uh, with just like buckets of candy bars. Like I didn't even need the, the myth, the, the, the myth of the king size candy bar that year. Like you get enough, you get enough fun size. You are the king. That's, that's how yeah. I uh, anyways. But it's also uh, it's actually, also a little cold in Monster Hunter now too, right? Yeah, yeah. Your actual segue. that was the segue <laughs> before before we fucked it up. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've been playing Iceborne, the new expansion, uh, dropped on uh, Friday. Uh, that expansion is meaty, uh, much like Monster Hunter, the base game itself. There's a lot of content, a lot of hours, um, but. Um, it's been really it's been really fun and also so if you remember the first game the first the the base game uh of Monster Hunter World uh the the whole idea is that you're coming to this uh quote unquote new world uh you're the fifth uh uh, uh expedition out uh so there's this base that's been set up um you're part of the research commission that researches these various monsters um and you know it it's one of those games where like mechanically and um it's super interesting and fun and like one one of the things that this team does super well is uh the animations for all the monsters not even just the monsters themselves but also you and the way that you interact with um the world and the monsters feels really good like there there's often the times in games where uh when uh two models touch in certain ways they're not supposed to it it can feel very clunky and like you start to see the seams of a thing the more things are kind of clashing sometimes um but the way that they've uh set up the monsters movements and uh the player characters movements is like so good but the like super light story that there is is like you know super colonialist super like we're here to you know conquer this new land 
Uh, oh, wait, there's native people. I guess let's ask them for help. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's really not great. And, like, we'll get you back. Don't worry about it. Uh huh. <laughs> um, and the base game, you know, it's just like escalating amounts of harder, more difficult monsters. And then in Iceborne, uh, you find a new new land, like a new landmass off off of the, the what you call the new world um, that is completely <coughs> covered in snow. And the whole point of the the campaign so far, I think I'm I'm pretty sure I'm like right at the end. I'm like nine tenths of the way through it. I think there's only one or two missions left, maybe. But it's all been about making a new base so like you be instead of like in the base game where you're like the fifth wave coming to kind of support this already established area you are the vanguard you are the one setting up the new uh you're the new colonizers <laughs> setting God. up the new base killing oh, monsters like the new avengers right yeah like <laughs> <you know? laughs> right that's that new line of comics um the uh you a lot of the motivations for killing or capturing monsters uh this time around is more specifically like ah we need to set up a new trade route or we need supplies to get here or we need to move these weapons so that we can fend off the wildlife from our new base that we're setting up uh there's a lot of uh there's a, there's a lot of arguments about why you as the people moving into this space are also quote unquote part of the ecosystem like like someone says, which is the, like, rash, the rationale for you yeah. having to go out. Uh huh. Like on on one on one hand, I I'm like that was like the like separating the separating the like somehow separating the colonialist aspect of it. One of the problems I had with Monster Hunter World was just you're a fantasy game. Uh-huh. Give me a better bullshit reason to go fight these monsters. Like yeah. it's not that hard. Like instead, it's just like like. It never gave you like a particularly good justification. No, we need to go to investigate feel... them, and the way we investigate monsters is capturing or killing them. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yeah, and especially when it was like the whole loop is based around like and like you know what? Don't just do it once. Yeah, do it forty times because you ton. need that rare drop. And also, hey, we've got this nice little arena over there. So capture <laughs> them, bring them in here out of their natural habitat. And beat the shit out of them in a place where they have no possible way to naturally defend themselves. Yeah. Oh, we also and set up some ballistas stuff- and shit in there for you. Go wild. It's <laughs> <Wow>. fine. <laughs> and like that stuff, you know, you kind of just had to throw it out the window yeah. and, you know, take the game mechanically for what it was because there was just, there really was no way to reconcile that stuff. And if you couldn't, then you maybe you couldn't sit with the game. And I just chose yeah. to to throw it out. Um, so I find it interesting in, in Iceborne for them to, on one hand, acknowledge like oh what if we can come up with like a better justification for why you're going out and doing x y and z yeah but that links up with um like a larger maybe uh misunderstanding of larger problematic elements of the narrative they've constructed yeah absolutely and like you can see shades of like things like uh uh animal like uh um what's the word i'm looking for when you move something to somewhere else god damn it relocation <laughs> yes relocation, relocation. Yeah. like when uh sometimes when uh certain a- animals come in contact with uh uh human settlements in a way that is bad for both humans and 
the animal, like they'll try to capture the animal and put it somewhere else, things like that. Like there's shades of that being thrown around in here too. But then there's also definitely shades of like, no, wait, we should fight for our home, which you you just built this place. This isn't a home. This is an, uh, a, a, a forward base. <laughs> like you made this place like a week ago, like a day ago. Uh, you, I don't think you get to call it home. Um, but like, yeah, things about being like fighting for survival in a way that makes it seem like you're on the back foot when really you're the aggressor, right? Um, mechanically, Iceborne has a lot of new, new, new things that are really fun and interesting, and like really kind of uh, shake up the 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 combat a bit enough that like if you're returning, like you'll you'll have a couple new things to learn, and it, it uh, kind of can change the flow of battles a bit. Um, there's um, basically new moves on every weapon um and now you can uh use the so you had this like slinger that would have ammo that you could shoot at the monsters that depending on what the ammo you put into it it did like different things like one of them is like a flash uh like a flash bomb basically which is like a little it was like a flashbang it was like yeah. you could put them to sleep and stuff like that right yeah um and so previously you would have to put your weapon away in order to use that most of the time uh, now you can just shoot it whenever, and there's a new claw attachment that you can shoot in order to kind of grapple yourself to the monsters. Um, and if you have uh, ammo loaded into the slinger, you can, while you're grappled, basically drive them. Like, you can, like, knock them and turn them around, and then, like, you do a super move that causes them to run in the direction that you've uh, aimed them at, and if they run into a wall, they fall over. Um <laughs> It's, it seems like a lot of that when I when I played the game at E3, where they were describing like kind of the motivation of implementing a mechanic like that was a lot of what you would do in Monster Hunter World or just Monster Hunter General is like you're doing a lot of waiting around, like waiting for the the creature to you're you're doing a lot of reactionary things yeah. to the creature in front of you, and they wanted to break players out of that loop a little bit and allow them to rather than like okay the monster didn't do what I wanted it to do so. Dodge, dodge, wait for it to do a new thing, and hopefully it's that thing that will create an opening. Right. Allow players moments where they can make their own openings for what they want to do, especially when you're playing as a team. Is that what you found, like, this stuff ends up allowing you to yeah. do more often? Yeah, it definitely, and and part of these new fights, too, is that the this, this whole expansion is part of, uh, it, there's a new rank, basically. In the base game, there was low rank and then high rank. And the difference between those two ended up being like there's uh, kind of harder monsters in high rank. And they've added a new rank. This is master rank now. And it's another step up in difficulty. In general, the monsters are more aggressive. Uh, the monsters that they've added have kind of wider move sets and more interesting uh, interactions with the environment. Um, but that also makes for much more uh, fraught uh, survivability in a lot of situations to where like... A lot of times I would actually do this not just to uh, create an opening for attack, but also to, like, create a an opening for a break for me to be able to, like, take a step back and, like, assess the situation. It's like, okay, you lay there while I heal or, like, take off the whatever million blights I have on me because there's a lot of, like, elemental stuff going on. Um, so, yeah, it's like it the, the fights are, are harder. There's a lot more happening, it feels like. It's, How much it, were you playing solo? All of it. 
I've never played. All okay. I, I want to make that. I think it's important. I think to to point out because, yeah. like, you're near the end game of the campaign in in Iceborne. At least you think you are. Yeah. I'm and there. um, in in Monster Hunter World, y- yes, like, arguably you can solo a good portion of that campaign. But there's like a very there's like a pretty specific point, like when we were all playing that. It was like, okay, like you could do this, but it, like you really should be playing with other people at this this point. Yeah. Um, and I, that's when like Aust- Austin, Danica, and I like started jumping on a lot together to right. like, and I think we got within two fights of like the very end before some game came in and, and, and tore us all away. Um, but um, like, how do you hit a similar points here that you're managing to like struggle through? Does the game give you more options as like a single player? Uh, adventurer, because like that is like this is you know a game you can play solo, but is often viewed as a teamwork game. Yeah. Um. No, I've I made it through base game solo as well. Just kind of, I think it has a lot to do with the weapon choice I made. I use the charge blade, which um mm. can deal out a lot of damage in a very short amount of time, and like it's like a burst weapon. Like you get a bunch of little hits in. And that charges a bunch of uh, files that then you like unleash onto uh, like one single big attack. Um, so as long as I'm like continuously charging, like it, it feels it's it's got a lot of m- movement where a lot of heavier weapons I feel like I couldn't solo with, you know. Um, but the 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 ways that you can like they've added moves where I can uh, stagger. I can like more consistently stagger a monster, for example. Like if I see it charging head on, the you can is uh, there's a new like slinger. Like basically, you shotgun the slinger ammo you have, and it'll um it'll stop whatever the monster's doing as they like stagger backwards. Uh, it, it does feel a, like with these new like the grapple mechanics and stuff. There's a there's a, it's a bit more manageable, uh, because you can find those moments of like, okay. I can I know I can grapple this thing and make it run into this wall for a minute while I handle like my uh antidotes and uh healing again because otherwise this the 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 a lot of the monsters do feel like they're kind of coming at at you a little more constantly than lower rank mm. stuff. Um the palico also helps a lot in this case. Yeah. It does I I I felt that uh the Monsters will, I don't know if this is like really baked in or not, but like it feels sometimes like there's, it it will switch aggro at opportune moments where like, oh, I would have been dead if it had attacked me there, but Mm. it decided to attack my Palico instead. (laughs) Um, Maybe it's just getting lucky, but uh, yeah, it's been, it's been rough. There's been a couple walls I've hit where, it was mostly actually that I hadn't really taken into account leveling up, like leveling up new armor. Cause that's the one thing about these games that I don't like. And I try to engage with the least just to see if I can get through them is the grinding aspect. Uh, I, I don't love repeat fighting the same monsters to get all the equipment. So what I do is try to get the most, most parts out of the one run that is needed for the campaign and make right. what I can with it. <laughs> um, there was one. There was one moment where I I hadn't quite made enough 
uh, gotten enough materials to kind of do the next fight afterwards without struggling too much. And I ended up having to redo one of the fights. But in general, if you're pretty good about maximizing the rewards, you can uh, you can kind of get through without having to repeat too much in the base campaign. Because end game, that is all there is to do. After you finish the like story campaign, you can continue to like, you know, raise your monster rank and like you unlock harder fights of the same monsters, like not new monsters. Um and that's where you start to get into that loop. And that's kind of where I always drop off on I, that's where I dropped off on uh world. It's a lot well. of completing armor sets and like yeah. you know, that's like where um which like I'm fine with. Like there's people who are gonna enjoy that. As long as I can get through the campaign without too much re- repetition uh, I'm I'm gonna enjoy that campaign, like, because I enjoy the like the the freshness of fighting a new thing and like trying to figure out its move sets, trying to figure out how it how it reacts to things. Like, that's the fun part. But like the second I'm having to do the same one over and over and over again, it's like not interested. Mm. Well, for you know, like it's a uh, for you, it's Destiny. For another, it's Monster Hunter. Right? right? Like, no, totally. Each, each person, ha- <laughs> each person has sort of like their, you know repetitive game in which like the loop works for them a billion times over and like you do repetitive tasks to get a fucking (laughs) t-shirt and other people do repetitive tasks to fill out armor sets which is not like you know they're not throwing shade at either of those people no totally it's just I mean, it's a little. And some of us want but every like, single medal um, available in uh, Into the Breach. So right. we put seventeen hundred hours right. in. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. It's like one one. <laughs> yeah. It's like why, why did I like properly beat Spelunky, and then it's like, but what if I get an achievement called Speedlunky, where <laughs> I do what go. I just did, but do it in under four minutes? Yeah. That sounds like a fun way to play this game. Yeah. And I did it. I did get Speedlunky. Um, and yeah, it's like different games speak to people in different ways, and like that loop works for them for a longer period of time. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you where that is also, you know, even though I didn't finish the campaign in monster hunter and wish I had just to say that I did, mm. like I was within spitting distance of hitting the wall yeah. anyway, because I was not going to be someone that was like, I need to fill out all these armor sets. Right. And it's like, I just saw the game, saw the new monsters. And, um, I don't even know if ice iceborne is, uh, going to be, uh, what gets me into it. I, I, I'm glad it's good, but I think for me, it's more like, I still feel like I got my fill out of world. Yeah. Like I'm just so more, and, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like, it didn't seem like a lot of what this was, was going to be the kind of the stuff I'm interested in seeing them iterate on, which is like, uh, uh, like seeing more like monster interactions, like seeing that genuine advancement of like the systemic end of the world itself. It seems like there's less of that here and more of, what people want, which is more monsters, different environment, more weapons, more yeah. armor, but not necessarily like uh, a real push forward on uh, a systems level, which makes sense because it's an expansion, right. not a sequel. Yeah, no. Uh, the the In general, they keep the one – the one thing is like the Turf Wars, they've added more of them, which is like when two monsters meet while you're on a quest, like they have a little scuffle and then one of them like wins out and the other one has to leave the area. There's more of those, but like systemically, it hasn't changed. It's the same turf war situation that was in base in the base game, where it's like right. they're gonna have some cool uh, canned animations for that specific like encounter. Um, but other than that, not not really a lot. Um, there is, however, a new a new cat chef, and it's the best cat chef in the world. <laughs> she is this the bread one? She no, I mean that one's that oh, one's helping. You see that? 
Yeah, it's great. No, that's the thing. That's the thing about this game too is that in those world, in those like, um, actually in in everything, even in the in the open environment, there's like such an attention to detail to uh, making things like what's the word I'm looking for? There's like a level of verisimilitude because they like take such care through animations and even if it does loop it takes a while for it to loop well so like, like specifically that, um yeah. so like yeah so to get context of what we're talking about go back to my twitter feed i retweeted this just delightful animation of this little cat baking bread mm-hmm. and it goes on for like two minutes yeah. like it's just unbelievable like this clearly took someone like two weeks to put together this little animation loop and it's it's great it's great it's it fits into, and what you're speaking to, this verisimilitude, like this kind of like building of a logic of a world in directions that don't necessarily feel, it's not necessary for like what you're doing out in like the fighting, no, but yeah. feels, but definitely helps build the space. When I was at E3 and I talked to uh, to the developers, um, I asked, you know, like what's a small detail that you're proud of in the game that like doesn't show up in a trailer, isn't something that would like be on a feature sheet, but you like look back and go like, I'm super cool, super glad that we got that in. And the answer they gave was in the home base, um, you know, it was clear that like food and stuff that was being prepared like down below was was like being sent up to the top. Mm-hmm. But if you actually watch the mechanics of the the world, there was like no, like nothing explained how that was actually happening. And he was like, that just bugged me. Like it just, yeah. he's like, it, it drove me up a wall. And so in, in Iceborne's home base, they didn't redo the, the original base. Um, if you watch, like it is built in a way that explains how everything gets from like the two different areas. Right, um, yeah. So that there's a logic to how this base is is constructed. And I think that the bread thing is illustrative of like an attention to detail um, that is, I think, a huge part of what people find so endearing about the franchise as a whole. Like this is not new to world. It's just something that I think more people are witnessing because yeah. lots more people like ourselves are came into it with world. Yeah. Uh, so that, Patrick, that you just cat chef sorry i'll just interrupt here uh because uh, patrick just usefully filled in a blank for me from last mm-hmm. night which is uh, i was sitting there as uh my girlfriend's dad was getting ready to leave uh first of all he's just going through the house with a FLIR camera uh just seeing how our how our airflow was because that's kind of guy he is like how, <laughs> where are your uh is this place Rob, is this can place you sealed? send him to my house <laughs> I, I feel like he could uh, actually do some things he's in chicago so also if you need if you want to get hooked up with stereo equipment like he will show you <laughs> he will evangelize it. you yeah. but if you need somebody to show up with a um heavily mm. modified FLIR camera and like detect inefficiencies or like overheating electronics or like drafts. Uh, yeah, he's your guy. Um, so, but, cool. <laughs> so I'm sitting there though. And, and he looks over at my computer and he's like, what the hell is that? And I look and there's a little cat needing some bread. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. And the partner's like, that's just Twitter. Like sometimes just weird shit shows up and you, you never know what it was or what it is. I was like, I was like, I think this might be like from a Shrek movie. I don't know. <laughs> Um, and donkey. Yeah. And he was like, cause he used to work in the movie industry. He's like, damn, this is a really long effect shot. 
Because <laughs> that cat makes some bread, man. Like yeah. I was, I kept waiting for it to loop, and it was just not looping. It was just continuing to like turn the dough. Uh, and so I was like, I have no idea what that is. And then the feed scrolled on, and and, and I lost track of it. I had no idea that must have that might have been you retweeting it or something. Because yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I had no idea like what the hell the little like <laughs> cat creature was that was making bread. But I, like I would have if gun gun to head, I would have been like. Did they make like a Puss in Boots movie or something? <laughs> <laughs> the Great Cabbage Bake Off. Yeah. You know? Oh, my and they God. Did, good. And they did make a Puss in Boots movie for the record. Oh, good. <laughs> God. Perfect. Don't remind me. Just want just to make sure we're, we're clear on that. <laughs> good. Anyways, that, that cat is helping the, the, new, the new chef, which is the, the most amazing, tiny, Matryoshka doll looking grandma cat Aww. that just wants to feed you all the time tells you all skin and bones you need to you need to come come by and eat all the time it's Aww. great fucking the I best part of iceborne it's I so good she's grand what's, right. grand, like, what's grand, her pattern grand meowster cat it's like you know got the floral like it looks like a like literally like she's shaped like a matryoshka and has <laughs> the same kind of pattern like Aww. apron it's amazing it's so sweet <laughs> um all right, so Patrick, I know that you've been yeah. playing a few things. One of which Wrapping surprises me. Up. Yeah, uh, I thought you were done with Fire Emblem. <laughs> I mean, uh, oh, like when I when I said, "Oh, it's too easy," I was like, "Okay, cool." Yeah, you were like, "I'm too, down. I'm too skilled uh, for this." <laughs> well, when um, I've told people I'm at the last mission with four to five hours, you know, people are taken aback, genuinely. Um, Wait, forty uh, five. Uh, 45. Isn't yeah. that like a 60 hour game? What's going on? Uh, sure. What, He's you know, good not at if games. you don't care about characterization and relationships. <laughs> yeah. I have done, Rob, Ouch. every single one of my, pretty much with the exception of like the characters that I have, what are they called? Adjuncting. Uh, those are the only, the, basically adjuncting. The characters you don't really care about that much, but maybe they'll give your other characters a bonus when they attack. Um, <laughs> Wait, who's an adjunct? Oh, adjutants. 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 Adjutants, yeah. is that what it is? Yeah. Um, Byleth yeah, is an adjunct. Yeah. Uh, characters are adjutants. Um, but basically, you get to, it, like, over the course of the game, as your professor level goes up, you can, if you get a, a professor level of A plus or A, you can equip up to three, like, characters you aren't using can be equipped to other characters, and they uh, will then level up while they are on the battlefield. Um, and then also, um, like, let's say. Like, I have a healing character attached to uh, Byleth, and so when um, she attacks, then occasionally she heals along with the attack, which is nice, because um, she is a motherfucking tank <laughs> in my game and just does does not suffer fools. Um, I don't know. I feel like I should save a lot of what I have to say for a spoiler cast, spoiler cast. That, like, mm. yeah. that, that we'll probably end up doing um, in, like, the most general terms. Um, I will say like, I'm more down on the game than I expected to be based on what a lot of people have been saying. I, boy, uh, specifics of this will be Captain. I will not spoil uh, anything about the, the story in the, in the second half. Um, but the game makes a very clear choice that, oh, there are three distinct paths that, you know, happen, you know, based on the, the houses that you've chosen. And I guess there are then further splinterings of that based on like a very prominent choice that happens at uh, sort of like the break point in the game about two thirds through. Um, 
and at, and in that sort of like that fi- after that five year jump, the game gives you like no window into what's happening in those other worlds. There's not like, hey, let's go see what's happening over there. Like, why are these people making this these decisions? Like, what brought them to this uh, point? Like, based on what I know, these people seem to be making poor choices about <laughs> like the fate of the world, and so then. You know, it's not a spoiler to say that, like, you, you end up fighting against, uh, you know, former, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, f- folks in other houses. Um, and it's, like, sad when you – it's supposed to be sad when you go up against them. But um, I don't know what their motivations are. They seem to be on the wrong side. And so you just kind of, like, show up and mow them down. And I'm like, cool. I wish the game uh, – well, for one, it's a little weird when, like – you you come up to like a a, a student, you, you mercilessly destroy them with an enormous axe, and then the game goes do 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 level up like ah your stats have gone up like way to go I'm like that's a little strange like really kind of undercutting the moment game, um, but I the game seems like if you want to understand what everyone's doing play it three times yeah. and I for a game that is this long on a single path boy I wish would it what it would have said was like, hey, you picked this path, but at the end, like, give me like a visual novel. Like, like, let me like go, like, I would like to have finished the game and then had ways of experiencing like major story beats of the, of the other sides because there's no world where I'm going to go and play the other sides, especially given that you can't just like skip to the second, like the fork in the road. Like, you know, you can't like just skip to the five-year jump. You'd have to do everything before that. So I think it's a a poor storytelling storytelling choice on the game's part to lock so much of the alternative viewpoints um, behind enormous uh, amounts of gameplay because it undercooks their motivations and makes characters who clearly have, based on what they're saying, conviction and motivations that I don't understand. And it, it just makes the confrontations you have with them so less interesting. And like there's so much like I can tell. There's supposed to be drama here, but I don't feel any of it because I don't know why they're doing what they're doing. And so it feels ho- uh, a lot more hollow as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I will say in the second half, the the combat has kicked up a notch that, boy, this would like some of these fights. I'm like, <laughs> well, man, this would be this would be rough on hard because even on normal, I'm finally using some of like the rewind technique. Like I'm, I'm, I'm seeing people go down. I'm having to make sacrifices. Um, it's like way closer to what I was actually hoping to get yeah. out of earlier in the game. Um, like, especially in the last couple fights that I've had, it's just like actually sweating it, like getting six moves in and going wipe the table clean. Like, <laughs> let's just start from scratch. Like none of that worked. Um, and that's so much more of what I wanted from the rest of the game um, and didn't get. So I still like it quite a bit. Um, I like all the characters in my house. I like the arc that my characters are going through. But I'm not as high in it as I was mm. as I was hoping to be. But I feel like we can unpack a lot of that with a, <clears throat> an eventual spoiler cast. Yeah, I, um, I will say the way the different plot arcs for the different houses hinge on each other is also not entirely fairly distributed like i'm playing blue lions and that is very much an arc that is in dialogue with black eagles 
and like Edelgard story. Yep. And I'm at a point in the plot where it's like, oh yeah, um, Claude's still totally in this world and doing things that are part <laughs> of this main plot. And I'm like, what's he doing? And they're like, well, he is, um, there's like a civil war too there also. <laughs> wow. And he Main, has picked he's a side. maintaining things or whatever. Yeah, that, that's basically He's it. neutral. It's like, yeah, uh, it's like he's trying to keep a lid on things. Uh, you know, Claude's just really busy right now. We haven't been able to check in on him. Uh, but believe me, there's lots of stuff popping off uh, in, in Alliance territory as well. And I'm like, doesn't sound like there's a lot going on there, though. It's the thing. This is, this is very much like, um, oh, God, like, I, I don't know. It, it, it's very much like a, for, a Fortinbras type thing in, in Hamlet where it's like characters just completely off the stage. Maybe he gets like brought on at the very last minute and it's like obviously a critical plot element here. Claude's <laughs> back. Uh, but for me right now, it's like, okay, so we got this entire like drama happening between uh, Blue Lions and Black Eagles and the best anyone can tell me about what's happening in Claude's neck of the woods is like he's got some major drama happening. <laughs> he mostly just seems like he's chilling near some water, honestly, is like most of my takeaway. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and it's and it's just like, there is a way of doing, and this is what I mean by like, I wish the game like sort of promised up front that was like, look, there'll be a way of learning what everyone else was up to like later, like yeah. see your story through. And then, because there's a way of doing a, a, a storytelling mechanism where it's like, actually, it would be interesting to have a narrow focused viewpoint where you don't like as traditionally you 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 know in storytelling you're going to know everyone else's motivations and like you as the viewer player like have a broader understanding of of the narrative and the context than individual characters do and like that's what creates it makes it complicated for you but there is something interesting about like but what if you don't know that what if it only is your story and your context and then part of the like the holy shit would be later having the game like pull back and be like, well, when you did this, what you didn't realize, like this was going on and having that all revealed after the fact. And maybe that would end up making you feel awful, terrible, but like decisions you made or like characters you you killed because you just didn't understand what was going on. But the game doesn't promise that. And most is like, well, you could learn that later if you watch it on YouTube or spend 350 we'll hours playing the yeah. game. It's like, <laughs> that's not my world. And I also would say, like, the game uh, doesn't um, – so, yes, you can recruit people from other houses. At a certain point, I chose not to. Like, I liked my lineup. Like, I didn't want I, I didn't want to steal anyone else's. Like, I, lo- I want to roll with these people. Like, I'm good. Like, I don't need to go scale in Lansing so I can pluck off some, some cute person from the other house. Like, at, you know what? If you don't want to come to my house, don't come to my house. Like, <laughs> I don't need you. I shouldn't have to recruit your ass. If you don't want to come to Black Eagle, don't come to Black Eagle. And that became my line about like halfway through the campaign. I was like, I'm good. I don't need anybody else. Um, and but also was like all like because of this like narrow fixed path, you don't learn anything about any of those other characters. Like, how can I feel any sense of drama when I encounter them in the back half of the game? when I had no meaningful interactions with them other than, I don't know, I looked up a walkthrough and found your goddamn lost item and (laughs) plus one heart. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I feel like I disagree with some structural 
choices in the storytelling here that I think I could have gotten a, a better understanding of what was going on in a way that um, it just chose not to to do or is one that is only yeah. really beneficial to someone that says, I'm going to run through all three angles of this. And that's cool. That's just not the world I live in. And so as a result, I find, and I think that's just the world that most most people don't live in. So it, it's a story whose holistic nature services such a narrow type of player and it undercuts so many other types of people um, that are going to be playing it. So I feel like we can dig into that more in a spoiler yeah. cast. But that's that's where I'm. I'm glad to have it finished pretty soon. I'm at the the, the final the final fight, but um, uh, and I am still enjoying it. But I yeah, I disagree with some of its story mm. choices structurally. Anyway, this is one thousand percent speculation. But given that the last game was split up, it almost feels like I wonder if that was what they were originally aiming for. Like yeah. they were gonna sell different, and they sold them separately. Yeah, exactly. They were mm. gonna sell different, three different games, and, and people did not like that. Yeah, no. So, which is probably why they pivoted to just putting it all into one. But it feels like it's yeah. so separate. I don't know. Mm. Maybe that's just like you know, total speculation. But and that almost would have made more. That would have almost made more sense in like my in my structural criticism of like, well, why wouldn't you know what's going on here? Well, yeah, because you bought this version right. that's just their story and also like wasn't one of the problems with like uh uh was it fates that was the one where they they split that stuff mm-hmm. up um was um like <laughs> if you remember correctly like they didn't even offer like discounts if you were buying them together it's like there was a bundle but you were just paying full price for <laughs> both of them <laughs> oh, <laughs> i want to say that was true at least wow. for a little a little while so yeah yeah kato i i don't think your speculation is necessarily unfounded given that these projects right probably overlap to some degree right. because um uh, intelligence systems didn't like it was sort of revealed after this game came out that they were more or less producers on three houses and what Koei um mm-hmm. did most of the actual um day-to-day development um which of course begs the question you know of what intelligence systems is up to um <laughs> if they're working on some other massive project um but um uh yeah uh, yeah I, I don't I would not be surprised if that is 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 something that is correct Kato. Yeah. Um, last thing I saw you were wrapping up control as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you, you finished it. Um, I did. you found all the powers. I found all the powers. Um, Incredible. I don't, <laughs> what a game. I don't know. I don't know that it like, I don't know that the, uh, the powers that you didn't get cause you didn't get the, the shield, right? I got shield and was immediately disappointed. I was like, this seems kind of, I don't know. It doesn't. I, I, I used it maybe a handful of times and it's saving my ass, but that was, that was about it. Um, the ones, well, what? So then you didn't get the C's, the one that allows mm-hmm. you to turn enemies to your favor. Those were useful in buying time um, because when you do C's, it doesn't use any energy, and so then you can like hopefully just have some enemies distracted for a little while while you you know regain back your energy and try and find some health power ups. You know what this game really needed, Rob? You really should have your your health should have regenerated a little bit over time. <laughs> like a lot of the difficulty in these fights is often because like cool. I don't have any health. There's just a really powerful enemy over there. I have no way of generating health for myself anymore. There's all the things. The bosses always things. the bosses always spray health out um, when you when you shoot them. Like even the former, you can run up underneath it and like scoop that health up. You uh, can't. You just, I don't know. I, you just I, have I, to be bold. You have to be bold. Seize okay. The day. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. Um, Carpe health. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't. I mean, I, you know, maybe we should do. We'll, we should do maybe a small spoiler cast, you and I, about that game at, at some point too, because uh, I like talking about it more freely. But yeah, I loved it. Like, I enjoyed it. Uh, I was about. Mm, I don't want to say. Never mind. I'll save that for another time. I don't want to <laughs> spoil one of the the game's good bits towards. Yeah, the, there's some beats the that I want to. I want to break down. Yeah. So we can. Yeah. We we can talk about, about that. I'll just say I was like about to message you, being like, "Well, that's a curious creative choice," and then I was like. Oh, oh! So okay. did you did you deal with the mold? I did. Once you told me that you <coughs> um, could beat the game without dealing with the mold, I went and did the mold quest. <laughs> but I didn't do like the the side quests around that where you can like clean up the mold in different sectors. But I did yeah, like the like one main yeah. uh, mold quest, which I think like brings down the level of a bunch of like the mold creatures that are like set throughout the game. Um. Yeah, just a really strong narrative game, like top to bottom. Like, yeah, love the characters, love the world. They tease the that expansion. Of... I'm yeah, really curious. I, I, like, I can't, come I, on, I, bring it on. It's it has a great like, like I like it when games find way like where you want to stay in that world and they find a reason for you to like stay there other than just like what if we send you back to like before the final boss and like <laughs> you go keep doing the side quests like. This game finds like a good reason for you like still be there and and doing shit. Um, and also the costume you get when you beat the game, fucking yeah, up. great costume. Oh the my fucking god, fucking pyramid barrette is like such a choice detail. Shit. And yeah, and, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, god, I need to She play takes this. on a very uh, <laughs> a, a, takes on a very Scully from X Files look uh, towards the end of the game that I was very much into. But just yeah, I just just a great get really. I remember telling you, Rob, specifically, that I was very worried about this game coming out of E3 and at PAX East. This game demoed very poorly to the point that I was telling anyone who was asking me, like, like pump pump your expectation breaks on control. I have a feeling this is maybe like a budget-constrained game that is going to come in hot and just I don't – I did not get good vibes off of seeing it, playing it um, – We'll see what the final final game was, and yeah, that's because it demoed poorly. It's like they showed the combat, which is fine. Yeah. Like it's, it's well, okay. and it's very it's, funny at E three. You were like, yeah, you gotta like go do a quest for the janitor, I guess. Like you're in this office. Oh building, man, what a flip! And, what like, a flip! <laughs> and yeah, I'm like, it turns out you're doing shit for the janitor. That's weird. And it's like, oh, you mean Ati? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't. Sorry, I didn't know. Yeah, it's very. Uh, it's no, very I did cool. not know. I just think I just think the game. Yeah, they did not pick good sections to show off what that game's yeah. uh, strengths were, but um, it's obviously uh, a really strong entry at the end. And I will not spoil what it is, but boy, when you get to the ashtray maze, one of the coolest sequences. Ashtray. In- to be clear, he said ashtray. I did. Oh. <laughs> hey. You know, Control sounds like a weird game. It could have been. You know, I would have believed it. Thanks, Rob. There it is. Ashtray maze. Ashtray maze. <laughs> It'll lead you. Ash. Ashtray maze. It is. It is like being in the James Bond uh, credit sequence. It's uh, incredible. Mm-hmm. I need to play. I'm. I'm taking a few days off uh, this week, and I. I might just buy Control and play Control at part yeah. of my day because it sounds like in. my kind it's, of game. <laughs> it is. It is one of those I like. Don't have these days anymore because of Jessica. Who I love you, Jessica. But like the kind of game where like. You boot it up at nine in the morning, and all of a sudden it's nine p.m. and you've like played most of it, and you're like, "Fuck it, let's just finish let's this do thing." It. Like, <laughs> that's like it's like a perfect weekend game yeah. where you just like lose your whole 
just all your free time to it in a way that you have no regrets over. Like it is the perfect kind of game for that. Oh, nice. I like to hear that. All right. So we're going to uh, dip into the question bucket here. First email is from Chris. Mm, tastes like peanut butter. We're not doing that one yet, Patrick. We're going to start serious. We end light. Good. It's a whole little experience. Right. We need you feeling good about yourself. Well, yum, yum. adequate about yourself. Yum, yum. Uh, I, Chris writes, I graduated from university a little over a year ago and been trying to get back into writing lately, both creative fiction and more journalistic things. When I wrote academic papers for my classes and I inevitably turned in work I didn't feel was great, well thought out, etc. Now that I'm trying to write with the aim of keeping people's interest and spurring meaningful conversation rather than just having something to turn in, it's difficult for me to know when an idea is really worth working on. It's especially hard not to feel like there are already people better than myself talking about the things I'm interested in, and all my ideas would be repetitive or less compelling. How do you combat this feeling when you're how did how did you combat this feeling when you were starting out writing? Started What's, out. Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> this is the whole what thing. Strategies, <laughs> what strategies have you found that help you determine whether or not an idea, either for a piece of journalism or fiction, is good? Apologies if you tackled similar questions in earlier episodes. Still working my way back. And thank you so much for all the encouragement and laughs. Much love, Chris. <laughs> Where to begin, Rob? <laughs> Chris, I don't know. I've been like, we, I think what, didn't we all have a, we, I think we all had a collective uh, chuckle at the, uh, the, the line past tense. of, uh, yeah, uh, how did you combat this feeling when you were starting out writing? I think we, uh, please correct me as wrong, group, but I, I think, more than anything, that is probably something that we all struggle with, like today, every <laughs> right day. now, every single with every day. piece that we write. Yeah, yep. every single day. It is. Uh, <laughs> it's not just fake it till you make it. It's fake it till you even have made it to any level, and then keep faking it, and then probably fake it all the way to your grave. Uh, because I think if you don't have some healthy skepticism about your own work and some healthy, you know, feelings of competition and a need to get better and better, you probably won't be writing very well. <laughs> like, I think that's a constant drive and that's a constant source of of that sort of lighting a fire under your ass. Like, it's it's not a it's not always a feel good kind of job uh, if you're if you're doing this every day. And in terms of fiction, I mean, my confidence level is at one place for you know, writing pieces here and it's like 200 steps lower for any fiction writing I do, any screenplays that I write or, or little games that I make. And that's just, I think, a question of just doing it every day. A lot of this stuff is just practice and getting into the practice of doing it and knowing that like, yeah, at first it's going to be 10% of your ideas that are good. And then maybe if you do it every day for years and years and years and years, then 15% of your ideas will be good. And it's like, it's a question of skill and a question of repetition, but it's also knowing that uh, you're not always going to have great ideas and it's kind of okay as long as you're getting better at finding them and just finding the next level of skill and finding the next level of whatever it is that you're doing. Right, like part of, it feels like part of this, that that skill is mostly understanding that it's only going to be that 10 or 15% and realizing like, okay, cut that or like, yeah, self-editing, like being yeah. able to like figure out which ones are, yeah. 
Yeah, but the caution I'll sound there is if your problem is already that you tend to find reasons that what you're working on is not good enough, that self-editorial voice is going to be one of the things that continually jams a stick in the spokes, Mm -hmm. right? That's the – so, like, it is one of those tricks. Sometimes, like, there's going to be a voice in your head as you work on something where you're like – this may not be very good. It's certainly not very original, although I think we tend to overvalue originality because just about every story has been told. It's just how you tell it. Uh, but sometimes that voice is going to be correct, that what you are working on probably has a lower ceiling than really would make it worth it to pursue. But sometimes that voice is going to be just trying to find reasons to shut you down mm-hmm. and tell you to give up on something. And... Eventually, you will get a sense of whether or not, like, how much how much of a grain of salt do you need to take that inner that inner monologue with, um, and that will change over the course of your development as a creator. But this is not a struggle that goes away, and I think one of the things that really becomes a little bit cruel about it, at least in my experience, and you guys can let me know if this tracks with your experience as well. Um, Parts of this debate with yourself, this sort of nagging self-doubt and insecurity, end up becoming part and parcel of your creative process. Mm-hmm. And so for your entire like creative life, to a degree, you're burning like dirty fuel. Like the things that drive you and the things that sort of power your output also have a dose of poison in them. And there isn't a like it, like I have spent years trying to get to a place where I can have the good of output without the really shitty parts of it, without the really like nagging self-doubt existential dread type days without sort of the uh, like fear paralysis leads to procrastination leading to sort of life destroying sprints to finish a project. Mm -hmm. Like I've been working for years to eliminate that stuff and try to get to a process where I can just do this whole job a little more on demand. I do not think I'm any closer today than I was like five years ago when I realized it was a problem. I'm just more aware of it, which is a form of help. It doesn't resolve the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, part of the reason I like, or maybe this is, is just maybe one of the reasons I fell into like news and reporting is that, um, you're always working on something different. And so the failure turnover is like swift and, and efficient where it's like, cool, that piece didn't work out on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, in which certainly there is a, a craft and creativity in identifying stories that is, is, you know, learned over time, um, and refined, but, um, it is nice that I'm able to turn the page on something that didn't work or didn't work as well as I wanted to. And it's like, cool, that's fine. Just move on to the next thing. But I, I will say like one of the more given our jobs these days, um, it's not just, and this is especially true once you're sort of like paid to do it professionally. Um, you know, I will say like, a, a, you know, advice uh, relative to other places, like traffic is not like held over our heads in in the way I have felt it like beating down my back at other places. But I'm also completely aware that like I need to be justifying my salary based on traffic output. Now, there are plenty of times I write stories that I don't I don't know how they're going to do, but that is that is an element of it where it's like cool, I'm going to take a big risk that this story I think is interesting and is going to find an audience and I might write an excellent piece that everyone who reads it goes, 
this is tremendous. I'm glad you spent time on it. And the audience for it is nobody. Um, it's a couple thousand people. It's your Twitter followers. But it doesn't find the justification for, you know, the three straight work days you spent toiling over that 4,000 words. Um, so on the one hand, did you execute the creative process correct? Yeah, a- absolutely. On the other hand, it didn't necessarily translate to the traffic output that you you know need to satisfy the, the beast. On the other hand, with traffic, traffic is so hard. Was it the wrong time and place? Was it the wrong tweet? Did you get pushed off people's timelines too quickly? Was it just Reddit got filled up with other stuff that day? And had you done it an hour before, an hour later, the next day? Like there are things that are out of your control that you are never going to be fully like able to wrestle with. Like those are only like beasts that you can sort of like pin down to a certain degree. And so you try and focus on the creative stuff. And if you are good at the creative stuff, hopefully you will get, you will, at least in my experience, you'll get enough hits that justify the misses, but it doesn't make the misses on a traffic level, even if creatively they were satisfying and well executed, any less like frustrating. Because yes, it can be like wonderful to write a piece that like all your colleagues go like, good shit, dude. But it's like, if they're the only people who read it, <laughs> like it still feels like a colossal failure to to some degree. Um, and that's a weird element that like really only comes into play once you know, you're being on some level measured for that, but it is like an extra complicating factor that, um, you know, I, I know talking to all of you as I've tried to encourage you over the couple of years of doing this, like write more pieces, write shorter pieces and like, don't get too fixated on like the big grand idea because you might find the big grand idea by doing two pieces that don't work on your way towards it. Um, but that, that stuff is hard to, to wrestle with because, of all the things that this person lays out in the in yeah. the letter and all the things we've talked about so far. Yeah. Uh, last thing I'll say is prompts are powerful. Like I think one of the reasons that you get the assignments done in school is because people just set you the problem and you have to deliver it. And I also wager if go back to the things that like are two or three years in the rear view and sort of assess how you did with them. I bet you'll be surprised like how often you feel really good about what you did and yeah, there's going to be ones where you come back and you're like, I would have done a million things differently. This isn't very good. But I think you'll be surprised how often you actually, when you're emotionally detached from something, you discover, I did a pretty credible job here. I did myself some credit. And at that point, that's probably the better perspective. And that maybe encourages you to just get the thing done and get it wrapped. Also, uh, I'll find even on failed pieces or pieces that you don't feel, you know, failed maybe like a... Uh, too strong a term, but pieces that you like, ah, like I did it, but like ah, it, never, it never quite hit what I was hoping for. You may still, and I often find like, you like nail just like a paragraph or a turn of phrase that you're proud of that's like, okay, like while these 800 words didn't quite come together in the way that I was hoping, like that bit, like I fucking nailed that bit. <laughs> and it's like over time, as you nail more and more of those bits, and that's what you'll recognize also when you go back and look at old pieces is like, Okay, you, you'll both see where you've gotten better, and you also notice that like, okay, I got that one part really right, and I like that part, and it stands the test of time. Um, and you only really notice that stuff as you even take things that you don't feel super confident in to like some sort of completion, so that you can look back on it with with some some measure. Yeah. 
Speaking of things people are going to want to reconsider. Oh. <laughs> you got an email from June. Hey, Waypoint. My roommate says that tahini tastes like peanut butter. Oh. Please save me. June from Chicago. Oh, June. Yes. I'm so sorry. Roasted sesame has a kind of similar taste to peanuts. I could see that. Except for that really bitter note, which is totally <laughs> different and not remotely the same. Like the there's texture a, a is so bitter different. Note. The texture yeah, is different. Does it really smoke? Oil. Huh? Hey, I just searched tahini peanut butter. Uh-huh. People also ask, can you replace, this is Google, can you replace tahini with peanut butter? Good, yes. Is tahini like peanut butter? Uh-huh. Is there a substitute for tahini? Well, that's the answer there is not peanut butter. Not peanut butter. So why is tahini bad for you? Oh, my but God. Yeah, I just imagine not... trying to make hummus with peanut butter. Fuck. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. So the thing is, in that case, that's a case where it doesn't substitute because the flavor of the tahini is going to be, like, that's going to be a major part of the, of the final dish. There are a lot of recipes where... What you're looking for is a certain type of fat and like protein structure. Ah. At which point, like peanut butter or a lot of uh, like nut butters could probably tag in. Right. It really depends how much are you just there for a little bit of the flavor and you're mostly there for the, there for the fat. Or is tahini the star of the show? A lot of times when a recipe is calling for tahini, it's because something needs to taste like fucking tahini at the end of it. Right. <laughs> and so you can't, you can't just be like, be like uh, Skippy, you got this, right? Like, no, that's, that's, not, that's not how it's going to be. Tahini is um, the new peanut butter. Stir tahini into your dinnertime noodles. Mm. Make tahini caramel. Pour it over ice cream. Repeat. What? Use tahini to okay. make an all-purpose sauce for Did vegetables. Combine with nuts and seeds to make a flavor-packed energy bar. You know, okay. That's Epicurious. Sometimes tahini, you know, are, is it always roasted? Or is it just some tahinis are roasted? Is there a raw tahini? N- like, no, I think it's pretty much always, always roasted, roasted before it's I feel like there's, there are some that are darker uh, colored and have like a bit more bitterness and some that are a little bit lighter. Yeah. Um, that I could see the lighter ones, like the earthy earthiness of the lighter ones being similar to a, you know, fresh, raw, just like peanuts grind, ground down situation. It's not going to taste like, it's never going to taste even anything similar to like Jif or whatever. Like, because those things don't taste like what I consider peanut butter. Well, they have butter sugar anymore. too. Like, j- like yeah, that's, yeah. The comparison is like, it does. How does the tahini compare with like um, unsweetened peanut butter? Right. right. So, like, the right. point of comparison is like Teddy brand or something, which tends to be really light on the seasonings. Uh, but yeah, I have to be honest here. The reason I'm so grossed out by this, and maybe <laughs> I shouldn't be. Maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe this is a me failure. But I just pictured June's roommate as somebody who's like. Only ever eaten like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and mac and cheese and never anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Going and eating some tahini and being like, peanut butter. (laughs) That's what I'm picturing. And I'm so upset about it. June, I want, can you you play this part of the podcast for your roommate? Get back to us. Yeah. Let us know how you're clarifying information. I'm very sorry if this is a bad thing. Let us know how your your roommate goes, rawr, peanut butter. As they stomp into their mac and taste, cheese. Tastes like, <laughs> tastes, tastes the same as, or tastes like, yes. tastes similar. 
I think I think I can I see feel like connections. The, I, I, yeah, I feel like the Google searches. Well, like, like I'm not saying the populace is uh, <laughs> is always right, but they are indicating it is not an invalid opinion. It is one that is okay searched by a lot of people. Wow. Yeah, so it tastes like it's those... not. It's not saying is better or like. Right. It's just like inter- huh. it's just saying those are similar things. Like, huh. But let me tell you about those searches, Patrick. Those pa- those searches are all coming from people in their kitchen with their phone trying to correct a mistake, right? <laughs> like it's like all those searches are, oh shit, I didn't read this recipe all the way through. Uh, can I get away with peanut butter here? And like, so that I think is what's skewing the results because it's not like people are having tasting parties to compare these two things or get a real wisdom of the crowd thing going. Instead, you got people who are hard up against it. Like dinner is in like 20 minutes and you've only got peanut butter. You don't have to eat it. You don't even know where it is. (laughs) Oh, my God. You can probably you can probably substitute that. It it really depends. Not hummus. uh, But no. But yeah. Peanut butter hummus. Is that a thing? Um, I don't want to know if that's a thing. I hope it's not a thing. I love. Pe- I just love. I love peanut butter. Peanut butter is good. I put it on a lot of things. Butter. In a lot of things. I had a peanut. I had. A, I had a peanut butter sandwiches and jelly sandwiches weekend because I had a horrible fever and was walking around like a skeleton and could barely eat good. food. And I was like, "Give me that PB. I need. Give me the blandest." I'm not knocking possible. it. <laughs> to be clear, I'm not knocking peanut butter and jelly or mac and cheese. I'm talking about like. Yeah. A person who like actively does not like to try other things, and they like are like trying to push their worldview on other people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I, oh, I, I painted a very specific picture there. I don't yeah. know your roommate, June. Just some, just some <laughs> frizzy-headed fuck Whoa. who wow. just completely shuts Fucking other perspectives dragon. down and just some is reductive as hell. Them. <laughs> Some asshole is like, Ugh, go to a warehouse and buy liquor that is in like a barrel and just drink it with a straw. Plastic straws only. Not like some classy guy that would, it's, you know, Monday morning, 11 a.m., we're pouring a 15-year-old bottle of scotch as a bit, and then through the rest of the podcast, you notice him actually drinking the scotch. <laughs> No doubt. P.S. Couldn't didn't have whoever that didn't have be. breakfast today. Whoa, uh, boy. So in what retrospect, can't, um, can't wait for Rob to add a piece. We were look. It was it was a wild weekend. We were just like ordering food and like calibrating watching speakers. Pitch Perfect <laughs> for the first weekend. time. Pitch Perfect Pitch is Perfect, hilarious. Great movie. Yeah, I was like, this movie owns and like sounded surprisingly fantastic. But that movie kicked ass. We are going to Rob. Great. We're going to have to like limit you to like okay, Rob. Sound corner. What do you need to get like off like for the next month? It's just like Rob's gonna be like, "Have you ever noticed?" It's like, "No, Rob. Nobody's noticed. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's paying that close attention to the sound." <laughs> you ever think about just the construction of "I Saw the Signs"? It's incredible. Mm-hmm. I wish I could get out mm-hmm. of my head at this point. Actually, God. I'm at the end of like Pie, where like I'm just about to like all the fucking songs in that movie, but particularly "I Saw the Signs." I'm like, somebody get it out of it. Like, opened up her eyes. I don't. It's already stuck in my head. God. She saw the sign. <laughs> Just the name. You can How send questions to gamingadvice.com with the subject question. Uh, our Twitter is at Waypoint. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube, Waypoint Vice. Uh, I am your host on Twitter. Does, at does Rob, Rob have Zachary. an artifact of power in his room? I like, think so. Have like a, like I think a, so. 
<laughs> Patrick, where can people find you? <laughs> Patrick Klupik, I guess. Danielle. Uh, Danielle or I. Kato. I saw the sign. <laughs> Never thought I'd give you up. It's in the light where you belong. But where do you And of course, I mean, I cannot wait to listen to the track Miss You on (laughs) The Kale Machine by Bowen. But, you know, have I ever really heard it before? Until now, I don't think so. I'm going to have to investigate this by going to Waypoint. You're going to start sending Bowen notes. Hey, I don't know if you know about the mixing on your track, but have you really calibrated it for an artifact of power? (laughs) You ever think about... Look, Miss You is great, but the dynamic range is just a little bit lacking, IMO. And uh, I'm wondering if you could just send me a mix, like, specific to me. Um, Here are my specs. For your pals at at Waypoint. Um, That will do it for this week's episode. We will be back with some kind of show on Friday. Until then, Danielle, what do we say to the people? Be good and be good at it. And buy some better speakers. (laughs) Let's bring that market back. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hell yes. Uh, So Patrick had a weird feeling last night. Yep. The Pats offense was like not just good, but exciting. They're doing the thing. Yeah. You can, you can, like, like, Josh Gordon looked fucking incredible. One again. What? And now they're going to get Antonio Brown. I have a meeting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. If you want to go, Danielle, you're, you're good. You're good. You're good. Uh, Okay, Rob. I have like a lar- a larger meta question. Yeah. So, all right. So the three leagues that are like I more I I I track the NFL the closest. Track the NBA a little bit more yeah. for like the pop culture stuff. Um and or just like the, the big storylines. But like I don't yeah. watch a lot of like day to day games because the Bulls have been terrible for like fifteen years. Um, but did get two back to back to back. So I'm not gonna complain too much. Um. Uh, and then I've, I track the clubs like the, the Cubs pretty closely, like a, along like the Theo Epstein era, like yeah. when they've kind of been on the upside. So, but the NFL is different in which like it's Couldn't one this league be in which like waypoints. No, no, because this is going to be like fifteen minutes. Okay. Um, I just want to make this like a weekly thing if we want to just like keep revisiting this. Um, uh, and so it, the NFL has more parity than like more I don't know how the NHL works but like relative to like the MLB the NBA in which like there are like established cities of power like in yes. part of this is the in the MLB there is no salary cap like you can spend as much as you want on the players you want if you have an owner who wants to spend that money um in the NBA there are cities that are destinations. The reason mm-hmm. Los Angeles, like the, 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 the Los Angeles, continues to be a good team is not because they have competent management. It's because 
people want to live in fucking Los Angeles. And so it's how they keep getting that's how Le, that's why LeBron went there not because he wanted to go like uh, like it was like ah they're gonna run the salary cap like well out there like ah they're like they know how to manage a team it's like no because it's in LA and like that doesn't exist as much in the NFL which like through its rules through its structure through the draft um, through free agency is like has more largely more parity than like a lot of other sports franchises but like the exception in the NFL in is the Patriots in which I wonder if they have become at this point. And this is true, like has been true in the past, and like an LA type of destination where it's like they're they're just a mysterious attraction. The reason Antonio Brown ends up there is because of course he ends up there. The reason LeBron goes to LA is because of course he ends up there. But it's like something so unique to that franchise that is so different than the rest of the NFL. Uh, it's infuriating. It's also a sign. I also deeply respect it. They're also. They're all monstrous Trump supporters, so fuck them. But also true of a lot of billionaires, and but they're more flagrant about it there other than the Patriots. I don't know. I don't want going with this, but like I don't know. There's something unique about that that is weird to the NFL. Yeah, I don't fully understand it. Like I don't understand why Antonio Brown was so hell bent on going to the Patriots. I just don't. Like the thing that emerged since we basically all got played. In, including like Raiders management. Mm-hmm. The thing that appears to have happened in all of this is Antonio Brown never wanted to go to the Raiders. Or at least as soon as he signed the paperwork, he realized he didn't really want to go to the Raiders. And this entire offseason drama that uh, we were trying to figure out like what was actually going on there. And there's still enough there that I'm concerned about like what Antonio Brown's overall game plan is. Like what does he want from the rest of his career? I don't feel I understand that better today than I did. I don't know what he does like after the season when they can't afford him anymore. (laughs) Right. I don't, I don't fully know what that looks like, but I certainly didn't expect that when all was said and done, he was going to get himself fired from the Raiders and then immediately turn around and sign with a team that is notoriously uh, fetishistically no nonsense. Uh, the Patriot way and do your job and all that, like really annihilation of the individual in service to the greater whole, unless you're Brady or Belichick. I do not understand what about that appeals to Antonio Brown, unless on some level he was like, if I want structure, why not go to the greatest structure in the NFL? Why not go to the most successful structure and system in the NFL? Other players, Darrell Rivas was a great uh, defensive back before he went to the Patriots. But after playing with Belichick for a year, he did say, and he's not alone in this, that even for great players who like, who are like, you know, top five at their positions, playing with Belichick makes you a better player. And like you radically changes your understanding of football. So I could see that being an appeal. Uh, you get a football education with the Patriots that you do the not. The version get with. I want, Rob, is that they also put up with Gronk for years when it was the summers of Gronk, where he, you know, he, you know, he was party a ridiculous boats. individual. Yeah, he was a party dude. And yeah. so the version of this I want is that I want the most entertaining version. Well, the most entertaining version is it blows up in their face and they have a terrible season. But they didn't have Antonio Brown on Sunday and they decimated the Patriot or the the Steelers and they're gonna. They're going to cruise to, you know, uh, a bye, and the only thing stopping them is realistically the Chiefs. Um, yeah. And they just lost Tyreek Hill for possibly the whole season, but fuck that guy. He hurt a kid, so I'm not going to weep too much over that. Um, and uh, is that Antonio Brown continues being 
weirdly erratic, but is also just spectacular to watch. And so watching the team grapple with what has largely been like just a shutdown institution in terms of like the individual, like you said, outside of outside of really a Brady, um, who's really stepped up to social media in like the last like, in, like year and a half in a <laughs> creepy he way. Follow like, now? Yeah, it, no, no, he's not good at it. He's it's very dad, try hard. But maybe it's a good follow in that regard. Um, but if he's ju- if he is ridiculous, but he's also just ridiculous on the field, and the Patriots are just like, well, fuck it. Like he's just a piece that gets us through this year, and then we cast him aside. Like we've cast aside a thousand pieces that have come before him, and they just move on to the next one because the thing about them is they always find a way, which is just not. Yeah. Hey, that wasn't true of the Bears on Thursday, Rob. <laughs> no, no, they did not. They did not find a way. Uh, that was. I don't know. I don't know what you do there either. If Trubisky continues to look that bad, uh, the defense still looks great. You're going to lose your window if you're waiting for Mitch to get his shit together as a quarterback. So I don't know what your options are. Um, I, hopefully, it was. Just I think a, you. I think you look at actually what the Vikings did over the weekend, which was that Kirk Cousins threw a uh, a career low ten passes, and. Their all-star running back Dalvin Cook, who is you know probably better than David Montgomery and has been in the the the, uh, the NFL longer, but they just they let players make plays and they let the run game dominate. And obviously they had a really good O line, and the Bears have a good O line that, that played horrifically Poorly. on Thursday. Yeah, um, but they took a you know Kirk. You know if you say the phrase like uh, uh, inter- interception prone, erratic. Crumbles under pressure quarterback. Am I talking about Mitch Trubisky or am I talking about Kirk Cousins? Like those, those are those were interchanges. <laughs> like that was Kirk yeah. Cousins last season, and he's a guy who crumbles in high pressure games. Um, what you do with like a a quarterback who is stumbling is take the ball out of his hands, and like yeah. that's not what the Bears did for Trubisky. Like I've never thought he was going to be a you know top five, top ten quarterback, but I thought he could be schemed up to someone that was yeah. average and above average with the right talent around him, and that's more than enough to win with a like uh you know top five uh even top 10 defense like there's the nfl is fluky like there's there are there are paths to the super bowl that way and so i expect them to actually bounce back more than uh you might have expected given how flat their showing was on thursday but yeah it was dispiriting like i I don't know if i mentioned it to you but like when they lost last year you know that's where rogers mounted just an unbelievable one one footed comeback um that was heartbreaking but it wasn't soul crushing i mean if like in the moment it did but in retrospect it was like right but they scored a shitload of points and then just ran out of gas in the second half and rogers did with just something he does once a season he just pulls a rabbit out of his ass this was like oh all the stuff that we thought they could do or were going to do better they didn't do any of it like in the first half of the first game last season, they showed you a potential Bears team that could put everything together and be fun to watch. And here it was like, oh no, this is the same old Bears. I was saying that the, the first half, I was like, we don't get a safety, we might be fucked. And that can't be your game plan. That can't be like, oh, you know, as long as the defense racks up like four points a game and the turnover on safety, uh, then then we'll be fine. That's, that's it not It can't be plan. 2006 where yeah. you're more confident about scoring points when you're on defense than when you're on offense, yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of friend. I have a lot of family members that are also Browns fans, and that was also that that just bu- that was heartbreaking. Yeah, that a bit, but out. I'm kind of glad. Like, 
I also was like, all right, Baker Mayfield Baker, needed to get taken like, down. Yeah, yes. Yep. I he is a I think he is gonna be a spectacular quarterback that um has some well, so I, on the on one end of this there's Jake Cutler, and on the other end there's like Brett Favre, right? Like <laughs> and you want you want the other one, and it's like which one is was is is Mayfield gonna be? I think he's gonna be more Brett Favre, a guy that makes horrendous mistakes and you know, drives you up a wall, but also makes incredible plays that makes all of it worth it. And he's yeah. probably going to be that kind of player. But for the the, the offseason of, of Browns and, you know, I was just tired of hearing like, oh, they're just going to the Super Bowl. It's like, okay, you know, go Not win so a much. game. And then yeah. the Titans just st- stomped them in a way that was very satisfying. Um, yeah, but I, I'm for once, I am glad I'm in the in the Patriots TV market uh, because I'm curious how this uh, Rodman era, Antonio Brown. Uh, That's know. a really good comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how does this guy, as good as he is, fit into this organization? Uh, I don't know, but I'm super curious. This is like, uh, I think for a long time, Belichick has wanted to show that he could do it without Brady. And he may never get that chance because Brady appears no. to be willing to continue to drink the blood of the young or whatever it takes to, to, to keep playing. Um, so what's, what's the next test for Belichick to show that he is this unparalleled coach? He's calling the defensive plays. They don't even have a defensive coordinator this year. He was just like, ah, screw it. I'll do it. You know what? This shit's too easy. Like, fine. I'll just. <laughs> At some point, like, I continue to kind of hate this organization, but I'm also increasingly just kind of mesmerized by the spectacle. Meanwhile, Boy, all those Steelers fans who had like a good week of like hot laughing at the sleeve and like, man, did we make the good a good decision? They looked terrible. I was so happy. Yeah, yeah, Roethlisberger's missing passes uh, into the end zone. It was great. Well, it's like on one hand, I've always had like a like Mike Tomlin, the 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 coach of the of the Steelers, like is always. You know, in retrospect, I, I think, you know, more than we appreciated up until this week, like, like run an incredibly tight ship, given like a lot of like combustible personalities that was on his roster. Yeah. Um, who knows how much of that changed over time. And that's why they eventually just said, fine, cut him loose. Um, but also just Roethlisberger is just like, you know, a detestable human sack of shit that I it, it was one of those things where it's like. I don't want to root for you, but like you're my best path to beating the Patriots. And so like I'm given like this was like when I went to the Super Bowl uh, with my dad years ago. Um, and it was that was when uh, Cutler went out with the finger injury in the NFC championship game um, and the Packers beat them and went to the Super Bowl. So like I should have been watching the Bears at the Super Bowl, but instead I was watching the worst possible scenario, which was the Packers at the Super Bowl. And I was faced with, well, do I want to cheer for the Packers? No. Do I want to cheer for the Steelers? Absolutely not. I picked up the yellow towel and d- d- reluctantly waved it every once in a while and was cursed with the Packers win <laughs> as a result. Well, there we have it. Uh, well, we will we will have to check in on the league next week. I'm uh I'm dying. I'm, I can't wait for the first Antonio Brown. I'm, I say I'm back right in. Now. Like yeah. I. After the after the loss, uh, like I went all the way down to Chicago. I, I I drove in two hours of traffic because of the celebration that was happening downtown. I was gonna go to Soldier Field. There was no time for me and my wife to to make that trip. So we hunkered down with a bar with my brother and just 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 soul just just everything drained out of me. Sort of loss. 
to the point where I like woke up in the morning and just deleted all the wrap up podcasts. Like wow. I kept the ones that are like I, I have like two that are like Chicago Bears focused. I was like, I'll keep those. Those are fine. But like all the national ones, I was like, I don't need to hear any of them talk about this game. Like I was just out of my mind. Like I'm just moving on from this week. I don't need to hear analysis. And then I actually, you know, I was playing Fire Emblem and then I put, you know, Red Zone on. And I was like, okay. It's, and I was watching the Browns get crushed and I was like, I forgot what it feels like to have the fire of my, my, my animosity to my own team fueled by the destruction of others. Yeah. And then I saw the Lions losing a tie to the yeah. Cardinals after pulling a 60 point lead. And I was like, ah, I can feel joy again. It was lonely <laughs> Thursday to Sunday. But by the end of the day, it was Sunday. I was like, oh man, like I forget this is just football. Yep. All right. Yep. Well, we will uh, we'll check in throughout the season, maybe. Or people <laughs> will be down. like, stop fucking doing this. And we will. <laughs> nope. Poor Kato. Like, Kato, you got to just have to sit here and like engineer this shit. It's fine. It, yeah. It's fine. It, well, and we, blot out the part where he calls uh, Roethlisberger a disgraceful sack of shit. <laughs> I'm bleeping now, shit. Now, now I wasn't sure we listening. Didn't say. Did you say to bleep something? It's in there. I'm not editing that. That's staying in. <laughs> Come at Is me. it libelous to call someone a disgraceful sack of shit? <laughs> I don't think so. You're not, you're not making a specific even, claim about what them. Is that you're even just saying mean? in general, disgraceful sack of shit. Yeah. Yeah, in my books, multiple accusations of sexual assault that appear to be credible, uh, one of which appears to have been covered up by, by the police detail that you travel with as your bodyguards. Um, yeah, you're probably a piece of shit. Yeah, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Thanks. No need. Thanks for coming around, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> what question, Kato? Or are you talking about mine, the one I just dropped? No, no, no. no he was, yeah, he was asking if we yeah, saw yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. No, no, no. Right, I'm cool. sorry. There's no, I'm a, not. There's, a, I'm not there's one in Waypoint. It's short. It's a food one. Mm. Oh, which which one? Yeah, let me drop it in. Boop. There. Put it into podcasts. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I remember seeing that. God. I immediately deleted that. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Oh. All right. Um, yeah, we'll dig in. All right. And you lose too? Incredible. Yep. Uh, like, truly okay. an, an impressive and, and borderline awe inspiring experience that Oop. I'm pretty sure traveled well through the wall. And then we just started going. Darkness through. came from him. Some Zeppelin. <laughs> And he so didn't sure, believe hard let's, enough. Let's put on some Zeppelin. <laughs> it's Zeonort. Yeah. Look at that Norton. Rob, 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 Rob. Yeah. We, you dropped out roughly 30 seconds ago. Yeah. Weird, I never lost you. Oh, now you're turning into a robot. Oh, you get in the shell. Gotcha. And the shell protects your butt. Nice. Yeah. It's good to have Hey, Rob. You. Protection. Yeah, what's up, Patrick? We're 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 gonna as for as long as we're interested, we're gonna we're gonna do like an NFL segment at the end. That's the post. That's the post pod. Right. <laughs> God Sounds damn good. it! It's it's the Dreamcast twentieth uh, anniversary today. Good for the Dreamcast. <laughs> I didn't have one. I love the Dreamcast. That was the first machine I imported. We can yeah. mention it. We can bring it up towards we the just end. Mention it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a whole ass thing. Destiny was launched on this day in 2013. 
9, 9, 13? I think so. Or wow, what a 13? historic day in video games. <laughs> <laughs> the Dreamcast and Destiny. <laughs> double D Day. It, the, the Double D Day. <laughs> Unrelated to the other day. <laughs> good. Good. Very good. One second. Ka okay, Kato. Uh huh. What? Don't check Twitter. What? Uh oh. Which we're, we have a cold. We have a cold. I'm gonna send. Cold okay, open. Well, I guess I can't. Yeah, cold. Can you just prepare to play a video? That <laughs> just prepare. Can you just prepare to play a video? <laughs> yeah. Don't check Twitter. I won't look. All right. Ready for whenever that link. Ready to clap. Yep. Uh, let's go on eight. Okay. Oh, hold on. Oh. Hold on. Hold on. Don't even ask. Oh, Mister, <laughs> that's too far away. That's too <laughs> long away. Oh. Oh, eight, 18? I can do eighteen. Let's go. Eighteen. Good. Well, let me finish uh, putting these links into games in case Emmanuel decides he wants to do anything with them. Don't check Slack either. <laughs> Why? Because we have a cold open. We're going with you. You can open the podcast, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna throw to something for Kato. To, I'll send you all the link. Just I'm sending these news links out really quick. 